The Greenhouse Effect is a weekly podcast hosted by youth pastor Avery Bowman. This podcast is for teens and their parents. Our goal is to encourage, support, and strengthen the home. Contrary to popular belief, one can survive in this present culture while maintaining a personal relationship with Jesus. Join us each week as we learn from God's Word. Here is your host, Avery Bowman. I wanted to take this opportunity to welcome each of you to the Greenhouse Effect. I've had just the best time doing these podcasts and planning and preparing these. And this week I I got into a discussion, honestly, it was with my two brothers and it sparked the interest of what we were going to talk about this week in our conversation on the podcast. And it's basically about being real. And nobody likes to be around a fake or an imposter, somebody pretending to be something that they're not. And if that's true, then what does it really mean to be real, to be genuine? The definition of the word real means actually existing as a thing or occurring in fact, not imagined or supposed. I don't know if any of you follow politics at all. I personally do not. But I remember back in 2012 taking government and I needed to do a weekly current event. And so each and every week we'd have to do these current events. And I'll never forget the name, Senator Rick Santorum. And he was running at the time against President Barack Obama. And he made the comment that President Barack Obama's policies were all based on different theology. And honestly, if you think about back to that time, the majority of Christians would would have 100% agreed and aligned with the statement that the senator made. But obviously, the reporters and the media at that time, they were not going to let him get away with making that claim. And so they, they asked him, they said, did Senator Chanturum have the audacity, not of hope, but political incorrectness to call into question the president's claim to be a, a Christian? When he was personally asked about why he said what he said in order to get the media off his back, uh, the senator made this comment. He said, if the president says he's a Christian, then he's a Christian. End of story. Next question, please. And as you can imagine, that was enough to satisfy the media. Basically, if the president says he's a Christian, then hey, he's a Christian. End of story. But really... I can't help but wonder what Jesus thinks of Santurum's response there. You know, talk is cheap. And, and, and I think that we have to come to a time in our lives where we put our money where our mouth is, so to speak. Is it enough to simply say that we're real, genuine Christians? Or should we be able to see real? And if we should be able to see it, What exactly does that look like? What does being real look like to you? What does, what, what should our child see in us as real Christians? What should our family members see in us as real Christians? What should the world see in us as real Christians? You see, the church already faces enough challenges today in this day and age there's a lot of things stacked against us. There's a lot of um, political arguments that would rise up against us, the marriage issues. And 
all kinds of different things. There's we, and then within the church, there's aggressive secularism. People are changing radically. The, the idea of believing in absolute truth. And so individuals that claim to be Christians don't appear to be selling out. And then we have individuals that claim to be Christians never showing joy or happiness or contentment in their lives. And it just seems that the challenges are stacked against us and that honestly we're divided at every single turn within the church. But honestly, if you think about being real, being genuine, and knowing exactly who you are, I feel like that might be the greatest threat to the church's witness, is that we don't know who we are, and that there's an identity crisis. Many outside the church view Christians as unchristian in their attitudes and actions, They make the claims that we're bigoted, homophobic, hypocritical, materialistic, judgmental, self-serving, and overly political. And honestly, I think we've done a lot of those things to ourselves. And instead of being triggered and set off by those things that I mentioned, I I think that it's time that we do some serious soul searching and consider, are we bigoted? Are we homophobic? Are we hypocritical? Are we materialistic or judgmental? Do we only worry about serving ourselves? And are we over political? You see, whether we like it or not, there is a real image problem for the church. And with that being said, it doesn't look good for the future. Think of the rapid decline in attendance as time goes on. Think of the uh, amount of kids that go to Christian schools. Young people are leaving the church at rapid rates with zero intentions of returning. And and I know that the Bible talks about things waxing worse and worse, and, and I know that the end draweth nigh, but there's no set in stone reason for the decline, but perhaps I think it's because people aren't real. People aren't um, genuine. And when Christians are confused by what it means to be real, then the spiritual decline of the church will follow. So it's time to clarify for ourselves, for our children, for the world that is watching us, because they are, what it means to live a life of true, genuine, real faith. Christians may be confused by what it means to be real, But one thing I know when you read through the Bible, Jesus was not confused at all. In Matthew 7, 20, he said, whereby, wherefore, by their fruits, ye shall know them. You see, fruit doesn't lie. This goes to prove us in Luke chapter 6, 43 through 46. It says, for a good tree bringeth forth, not forth corrupt fruit. Neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of bramble bush gather they grapes. A good man, out of the good treasures of his heart, bringeth forth they which is good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasures of his heart, bringeth forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say. We look at 
uh, we're going to look at the the parable of the sower, and it's very common. It's very famous, but the parable itself is extremely straightforward. A farmer sows in a field, and the seed represents the good news of the kingdom. It is sown on four different kinds of soils. Each soil represents a different response to the message of the kingdom. That's simple enough, right? But here's the take home. Only one type of soil bears fruit. You see, if you look at Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 23, it tells us about this parable. It says, The same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside, and great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. So here we see the first, the, the first seed being planted on the first ground. And we see that the seed is sown. It hardly even gets started. And Satan comes and snatches it away. We keep reading it. It says, Some fell on stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of the earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. The second ground, we see the message is heard and the response is good initially, but there's never any fruit. And and I think that's honestly what ends up happening in our lives. We keep reading it says, and some fell among thorns and the thorns sprung up and choked them out. The third ground is the exact same as the second. The message is heard. There's initial response, but the outside pressures choke them out. Maybe it's your, your workplace, it's overtime, it's um, the next position, it's, it's an, uh, a basketball league, it's something that is distracting you. And it says, and some fell, but others fell into good ground and brought forth fruit. We see the ultimate goal that Jesus is speaking of here in this parable is that when it falls on good ground, then it brings forth fruit. I'm going to finish reading this passage and then we're going to talk about this for a second, but it says some in hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold who hath ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples came and said unto him, why speakest thou unto them in parables? He answered them and said unto them, because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given for whosoever hath to him shall be given. And he shall have more abundance, but whosoever hath not from him shall be taken away even that he hath. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing, see not, and hearing, they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Esaias, which saith, by hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, 
for they hear. For verily I say unto you, that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see, and have not seen them, and to hear those things which ye hear, and have not heard them. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When any one heareth the word of the kingdom, and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it, yet hath not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. He also that received seed, among the thorns is he that heareth the word. And the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and become unfruitful. But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some a hundredfold, some sixty and some thirty. You see, if you daily don't work at keeping the soil good, and ridding sin out of your lives, and ridding the busyness, and hustle, and bustle, and, and different things out of your lives. If you're, if you're not careful, if I'm not careful, we can become fake. This is a process. Just like it's a process every year for a farmer to till the ground, to prepare the fields, and then to plant, and then the ultimate goal is to bring forth fruit. You see, there's a process. And they have to take that process seriously. They have to work at it. They have to put long hours in. It's not something that just happens without the work and dedication and effort. I heard this said this week, and it stuck out to me. But it was said that the pursuit of Christ is a pursuit of a lifetime. You see, it takes a lifetime to fully develop, to fully bring that fruit forth in our lives. But real faith is something that can be seen. It's not only that, but it's contagious and others want it. I've used the example a million different times, but so many times we hear, oh, there's nobody going into ministry. There's nobody that wants to serve the Lord with their lives. But you know what I've heard from individuals in leadership? Man, I'm barely getting paid enough to, to, to pay my bills. I'm barely making ends meet. They're walking around the halls with frowns on their face. They're not happy. They're, they're barking orders at kids. And you know, that's one single-handedly thing that will chase a, a, a teenager away or a child away from serving the Lord. Why would they want to be a part of um, something where they're going to be miserable? Why would they want to sign up for a life where they're going to be broke and poor and not be able to make any money? Are you kidding? Kids are running from that. And if you're a miserable Christian, why would your kids want anything to do with what you have? And if your source of happiness and contentment is not in Jesus Christ and, and you're miserable at home and, and, and you're looking to everything in the world to make you happy, why would you expect your kids to not do the exact same thing? I, I heard it also said this week that the things that your kids struggle with or deal with is only going to be amplified 
as an adult. Look, kids have a way of exposing real, genuine individuals. They have a way of being able to spot and pinpoint. And honestly, I, I, I wondered how they're so good at doing that. And then I read this parable in Matthew. And, and honestly, it's no surprise. It, it's plain as day that Jesus tells us that if you are, if you're receiving the word and you're nurturing the ground to receive that, then you're going to produce fruit and you're going to put forth fruit. And people want to be around individuals that are putting off fruit and, and that's contagious to them. So I think it's important that the image that you portray better be the life that you live because your kids are observing it and, and other people are observing it from a sky view. They don't want to repeat the cycle that, that we've lived in of misery and difficulty and heartache. They're trying to make adjustments to where they're, they're not repeating the same things. And so I think it's important that we accept who we are as individuals. You know, Psalms 139 talks about that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. God spent time on each and every one of us to make us who we are. No, we're not perfect. We're never going to be perfect, but we're blood-bought sinners. And don't let the shame of your past keep you down. You're either forgiven or you're not. And when you're forgiven, that means everything is forgiven. And so I'm challenging you today not to get content in that or not to be okay with, okay, I'm forgiven. I can live how I want, do what I want. But you always want to become to strive to be more like Christ and people will gravitate towards that real genuineness. Another statement that my wife made when asking her about this, she made this statement and I absolutely love it, but she said, if you don't like yourself in private, oftentimes you're going to overcompensate in public. Man, I thought that was so good. And I said, what exactly do you mean by that? She said, fix yourself in private when no one is watching. Look, spend time asking the Lord to illuminate your mind and ask him what areas of your life could use improvement, how you can be more real and more genuine. And the Lord will. He will illuminate your minds. And once he does, accept that and work through the things that he illuminates in your mind. Look, we're losing individuals in the church at rapid rates, and we need to be the best thing that the world has to see. We need to be the best thing that our kids have to see. I don't ever want somebody to say of me, he's just like everybody else. He's just like the, the person down the street. When our workplace is happier than the church, something's wrong. When people can find more comfort from unsaved friends than friends of the church and that are saved and, and born again, something's wrong. When the lost world are more forgiving than the church, something's wrong. Look, we have to do better. Think about your kids. We don't want to lose them to this world. And I feel like the best way to keep them is to be real, is to practice what we preach, is to live a life that is pure and genuine and, and righteous and holy, honest before the Lord. What we say is what we do. When we 
tell somebody something in a public setting than we live it at home. And, and it's so crucial and important to make sure that we're real. Make, as we think about being real, I think it's time that we just do a little audit on our lives and we just consider, hey, what areas do I need to improve? What areas can I do better in? Hey, may God bless each and every one of you as you desire to be real Christians this week for the world. I'm praying hard for you, but let's try to be more like Christ this week. Let's try to exemplify him with our lives. Let's be moms and dads, brothers and sisters, uh, co-workers, church members. Let's be there for each other and be real, be genuine. Let's not put on a fake facade. Let's not have one standard around one individual, another standard around another individual. Let's be happy. Let's be joyous. Let's have the, the, the love of Christ shining through us on our lives. After all, you may be the only Bible somebody ever reads. God bless each of you. I'm praying for you. Have an amazing, amazing day. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. While you're at it, leave us a rating and review. The greatest trick Satan has ever pulled is convincing the world he does not exist. We have to live in light of the reality that he walks about seeking whom he may devour. He is alive and well today. Remember to work out your salvation today. May God bless you richly as you seek to walk with him.